AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Soybean futures continued this week's rally, and even corn and spring wheat found a way to close on the plus side of unchanged. Winter wheat futures, eh, not so much. They closed lower. Live cattle pushed higher on ideas cash bids will strengthen this week, and and chart-based selling kept the hog market under pressure. Live from doom, 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 pressure pushing down on hogs via Farm Journal broadcast. This is AgriTalk this afternoon. A conversation with Mac Marshall from the United Soybean Board. And right after the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis. Well done there, my friend. Thank you. Well done. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you're here to talk markets and kind of the fundamental outlook for the soy complex going forward. Mac, uh, of course, with the United Soybean Board, uh, will get his thoughts going into tomorrow morning's update of the supply and demand balance sheets. From USDA, got the WASD out tomorrow morning, Davis, so yeah. time to get ready for that. You might say we'll put the fun in fundamental. <laughs> uh, big sales today, too. Huge. Big sales, yeah. Humongous. Um, so we'll get Max's thoughts on well, you whether expre- or not this is is uh, a, a one-off or if maybe this is the start of, of that increase in demand that many are looking for in this bean export market. Yeah, and what was it, 118,000 to China and then 718,000 um, yeah. metric tons to unknown. You were a little skeptical of that 718. <laughs> well, versus the 118. Yeah, I, it's just too, is it too coincidental? Is that, it a weird number? What don't you like yeah. about it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how many times have you seen 118,000? More than I've hey, seen you, 718. Well, well, usually, you know, it's 100,000, 132,000, 136,000. Mm-hmm. It's two cargoes. It's two cargoes. I'm not sure yeah. which two cargo ships make up 118,000. Mm. Um, and then to see that 18,000 duplicated, I just, you know, it. sometimes I got to look a little... Uh, skeptical at at some of the some of the announcements and yeah. this one this one got my skeptic glasses on oh very good so, okay yeah. Huh. yeah we'll see if there's an adjustment later all right hey wow we got to get going what's in the news well chip export sales of wheat in the weekend of december um something totaled nearly one hundred ninety thousand metric tons the first uh, that was in line with trade expectations, 190,000 metric tons. China accounted for 65,000 tons of those wheat sales and topped the list of buyers. Export commitments of wheat are 6.3% behind the Urigo pace. USDA estimates exports will be down 3.1% from year ago. March soft red wheat futures opened steady and traded on both sides of unchanged before closing the session just below the opening range. March soft red wheat also posted an inside trading day on the daily chart. 
March HRW wheat features four cents lower, eight forty-four and three quarters. March soft red wheat down three and one quarter cents, seven forty-six and a quarter. March spring wheat closed at nine oh nine and one half, up seven and one half cents. Chip. Yeah, and that spring wheat market, the ability to close higher while everything else was kind of falling apart around them was kind of impressive. But then you take a look at the chart, and it's just a choppy son of a gun over the last, call it, oh, six, seven sessions, and pretty directionless trade in the spring wheat. Corn export sales totaled almost 692,000 metric tons in the weekend of December one. That was right in line with trade expectations. Mexico booked more than 333,000 metric tons to top the list of buyers. China accounted for nearly 205,000 tons of the weekly sales. Total bookings for corn are now 47.9% behind year ago compared to USDA's estimate that exports will fall just 13% this year. March corn opened slightly higher and stopped short of a full test of resistance at yesterday's high before falling back to test support near 640. March corn ended the session below the opening range and posted an inside trading day. March corn futures were a penny and a quarter higher, 642 and a half. May corn up one and one half cents, 644 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 640 and three quarters, up a penny today. Yeah, that export commitments being 47.9% behind a year ago is actually an improvement of the pace compared to last week when we were 48.2%. So a bit of an improvement, but it's why most are anticipating a cut to the export estimate in tomorrow's supply and demand update. Well, speaking of improvements, improved demand helped January bean futures trade to the highest level since September 21st. Export sales in the weekend of December 1 of more than 1.7 million metric tons easily topped trade expectations with China, Mexico, Germany, and Indonesia on the list of buyers. USDA this morning also announced the sale of 118,000 metric tons of beans to China and the sale of 718,000 metric tons of beans to unknown destinations, both for delivery in the current marketing year. Total bean export bookings as of DS1 were slightly ahead of the year-ago pace, while USDA expects a 5.2% decline in shipments this year. January beans 14 and one quarter cents higher today, 14.86 and one quarter. March beans up 13 cents, 14.90 and one quarter. July soybeans closed at 14.98 and three quarters, up nine and three quarters cents. Chip. All right, very good. Hey, uh, let's finish up the news at the start of the next segment because Oliver sure. Slope, Blue Line Futures, is here. How are you, Oliver? I, I'm doing good, Chip. I'm uh, I'm walking across the city for a meeting, so I apologize if you hear sirens or gunshots. <laughs> be, be safe, Oliver. Be safe. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Good, good, good. All right, all right. So what did you make of how the market's traded today? This soybean market is, has strung together something that feels like a move, hasn't it? It it, it, it really does, and I've, I've tried to be optimistic on both corn and soybeans for the last couple of weeks with the seasonality behind it, but corn just, ugh, I want to be a bullish, but the chart just looks bad. Yeah. Soybeans, on the other hand, hit it on the head, looks very constructive. Has looked very constructive. Knocking on the door of fifteen dollars. We get out above there. I think we could go fill that gap up at fifteen twenty-eight. Uh, so I don't know. Tomorrow's report obviously going to be a big catalyst. So still like soybeans here. It looks constructive corn and a little bit shaky. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Hogs. Jeez. The chart selling just keeps happening, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It, it's, a, it's a lot of back and forth. I'm not optimistic on hogs, but i tell you what I am optimistic on. That's live cattle. April live cattle specifically. Bullish seasonal starts tomorrow. Goes through January 2nd. That's trended okay. higher for 15 out of the last 15 years. I, I like the look of that. I like the fundamental backdrop behind it as well. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So how's the uh, basketball team doing? You, are, are you feeling pretty good? Uh, you know, I honestly, I haven't been paying attention. I'm, I'm still just kind of shell-shocked by the football coach hire, so I'm just soaking <laughs> that in for the time being. <laughs> well, you know, you're going to have to start watching Fred and the boys here pretty soon, okay? Uh, yeah, I hear they, they're doing all right, but I haven't tuned in yet. Yep, yep. I, th- I think they're going to – they're – He's got some talent running around out there this year. That's for sure. All right, buddy. Be safe. We'll talk to you later. Take care. All right. That is Oliver Slow. Blue Line Futures. Yes, hogs. Definitely under pressure. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation with Mac Marshall from USB right here on Agritalk. Produce higher yields and greater value at harvest. Timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. We're going to get to a conversation with Mac Marshall from USB in just a moment. First, Davis. Go ahead and let's finish up that news. Well, chip export sales of cotton in the week totaled 32,600 running bales. Total cotton export bookings are 10.2% behind year ago compared to USDA's forecast. The shipments will fall 14.5%. March cotton 104 points lower, 80.65. On the livestock side, export sales of beef in October set a record for the month, but sales in the weekend of December 1 of just 1,600 tons were unimpressive. February cattle 37 and one half cents higher, 153.92 and a half. April up 42 and a half, 158.05. And Jan feeders jumped 257 and one half to 183.47 and one half. Snout side pork export sales featured net cancellations as importers rolled delivery to 2023. February hogs a buck 95 lower at 84.70. April 207 and one half lower 
1975. Chip. It seems seems wild that here we are seeing some of the the end-of-the-year stuff uh, starting to happen on the the export sales for for pork. We're only like three weeks away. It Mm -hmm. seems so weird. Yeah, we're there. We're there. How did it get here so fast? Wow. (sighs) Time flies. I got nothing. I got nothing. Time flies. Time flies. All right. Thanks, Davis. Mac Marshall, VP of Market Intelligence at the United Soybean Board. The U.S. Soy Export Council is our guest analyst today. Mac, welcome back to AgriTalk. It's good to talk to you. How are you? I'm great, and it's always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having me back on. You bet. You bet. How's the past couple of days treated you? You know, it's it's been a whirlwind because we had our December board meeting, seated new board members this year, and uh, elected or farmers elected uh, new executive committee, committee chairs, action teams, basically all of the leadership uh, to be in place for this next fiscal year to make the next round of investments by the soy checkoff for the advancement of U.S. soy farmers. Yep, yep. I'm sure that we'll be getting the details of, of all the elections, but I'm kind of curious about the attitude, uh, the the vibe that you picked up there at the board meeting. Was it pretty good? Yeah, I'd say overall. I mean, there was definitely some consternation here and there uh, mm-hmm. in in the bean oil market, but I think we're going to get to <laughs> – get to why that is in a, in a little bit. Um, but I'd say overall, you know, optimism, everybody's, you know, happy to get together, you know, prices overall for beans have, have been pretty strong, but of course there are going to be things to look for in the coming months uh, as our farmers start to prepare for, you know, spring planting. Cause you know, yeah. that's, it's always right around the corner. It's here again. <laughs> before we know it, before we know it. All right. Um, good, good. Thank you for that. Uh, Let's go ahead and get to your expectations for the bean balance sheet ahead of tomorrow's release from USDA. Any major changes expected on the domestic side of things? So I, you know, it's December. So I don't expect any major updates on the supply side for the domestic balance sheet. We're in the time of year where, you know, we've got the assessment of what the crop wound up being that generally winds up being, you know, if not final, then pretty close to final in November. So crop size, you know, good there. The question is, what are we going to see on the demand side of the balance sheet? That's really where my focus is going to be. And, you know, I think there's a couple different pockets to look for on whole bean side and then by extension, the co-products. So first, you know, um, our export pace, you know, at the start of the marketing year, I think we got off to a relatively slow start. One, we didn't have you know, a ton of captive inventory at the uh, start of the marketing year on September 1st. And then two, of course, uh, the snarling of the Mississippi River um, right. and, uh, you know, the issues with uh, barge freight traffic and everything uh, has, has, has been, uh, you know, it's certainly a pain point, not just for U.S. soy farmers, but really anybody in the farming community. And, uh, you know, even beyond that as well, uh, given the criticality of that waterway for you know, helping bring in the materials for domestic infrastructure and beyond. So 
you know, you've got that, but we've also seen over the past couple of weeks, you know, this real surge and spree in uh, purchasing for new crop beans uh, from China yeah. and, and other destinations. You know, I think another couple of flash sales today, which were, you know, pretty large in volume together. Yeah. So that's exciting. So we'll see if, if there's an update on uh, on the export forecast there. Of course, you're coming off two very, very strong export years, our, our two highest uh, volume um export years uh, when you look across the whole beans meal oil complex that's very exciting so we'll see we'll see what that is that's of course going to be counterbalanced with what we're crushing here domestically um yes. you know you've, you've we haven't had you know a wave of new crush announcements come out recently there's been some you know uh i think you know restructuring at cargo by uh, owensboro grain um yep. and then you had the uh, epitome energy you know yep. move their plant or announce moving their plant uh for minnesota into uh, Grand Forks, I believe. Grand so, you know, Forks. some shifting of, of the chairs there uh, on the crush side. But what's really going to be interesting for me, because um, this has been the market driver for the past week, and obviously I want to think beyond beyond uh, the week, but, you know, certainly very relevant um, is the slide in bean oil prices and then what USDA yes. is going to do on the balance sheet uh, for soybean oil use domestically, uh, particularly in the biofuel space. You know, it's right. been a market that has been growing. It's been poised for growth. We've seen renewable diesel capacity surpass, uh, you know, fatty acid methyl ester biodiesel capacity for the first time earlier this year or in the fall. Um, and I think in light of some of the price slides we've seen, which obviously is, you know, potentially incentivizes more demand, um, mm -hmm. but overlaid with, uh, you know, the announcements coming out of Washington last week. Um, yeah, well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, how USDA reconciles that or if it's something that, you know, maybe gets, uh, you know, as it takes a wait and see approach and uh, is released in one of the subsequent WASIs in the coming months. So that's, that's okay. domestic. Internationally, you know, we're at the point in time where uh, the eyes are on South America. You know, this time last year in December, yeah. Brazil, Paraguay, and Argentina, we're looking at collectively a 200 million metric ton crop, which is, you know, pretty substantial. And then, of course, that didn't come to fruition as you had a lot of weather pressure down there. And Argentina, you know, we're already hearing about pockets of dryness. Um, you had USDA take down their expectation, I think, by one and a half million tons last month in November. So, you know, potentially an adjustment there. Uh, okay. Brazil, we're, we'll see, uh, you know, private sector analysts are still pegging it at, at you know, in the upper 140s to low 150s and uh, yep. a million metric tons of production. Um, USDA is, you know, right around there, but um, the planning pace is slower than it was uh, last year, definitely behind the five-year average. You hear about, um, you know, suboptimal rains, particularly in Mato Grosso, the largest growing mm -hmm. state in Brazil. So putting all that together, Will that lead USDA to make a relatively early adjustment in uh, the production forecast for Brazil? We'll see. But that's that's really the key metric I'll be looking at, because whatever comes out of South America, we saw this last yep. year when that when the collective crops were all short there. We saw rallies you know, pretty significantly, and the market was calling for a lot of bean acres uh, when it came time to planting in, in the northern hemisphere and in the U.S. So that's really the main one I'll be looking at is really on the national balance side. Um, for this time of year, but those domestic factors, particularly around bean oil utilization, I'm going to be thinking a lot about that as well. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Uh, let's unpack some of the specifics of what you just talked about there and, and stay in South America for 
a moment. Brazil in November was estimated by USDA at 152 million metric tons. I don't think things have changed enough one way or the other for USDA to make an adjustment to that estimate at this point. Now, Argentina might be a bit of a different story. October, USDA put the Argentine bean crop at 51 million tons, fell down to 49.5 million metric tons in November. Uh, Crop watchers like Dr. Michael Cordonier, soybean and corn advisor, is down at 48 million tons now. Still has a downside bias. What What's your take on Argentina? You know, um, I, I have a very similar read on this as, as you do. And I think okay. the fact that we saw that reduction last month, um, you know, might be a bit of a leading indicator. Not that I want to yeah. speculate on what's going to come out here, but that's, I mean, that's what I'm going to be looking for. And it wouldn't shock me if we saw a subsequent reduction, but it also wouldn't shock me if there was another, you know, kind of wait and see approach. Um, yeah. You know, last year again, once as soon as you started seeing, you know, real degradation in in the crop quality and, you know, the dryness pressure acutely in Argentina, they started making those cuts and really continued over, I think, basically a five month period. So is uh, it was November the start of that? Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 11 Central. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. We don't have that that long to wait. OK, uh, Mac, we're getting close to a break. So I, I want to set it up just a little bit for the next segment because we want, we need to talk more about the RVOs and the disappointment that the soybean oil market has shown. But at the same time, at least in part because of the Argentine crop, we've got soybean meal up at contract highs. Let's talk about how that can happen in this kind of an environment. Mac Marshall, USB, right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from ProFarmer. Mexico has offered to extend the deadline to ban GMO corn until 2025 and is working on a proposal to overhaul its plan. According to Conab, Brazil is expected to produce record soybean and corn crops in 22-23. Russian President Vladimir Putin said his invasion has already yielded significant results and that he would not mobilize more troops. The U.S. exported $17.5 billion in ag goods in October against imports of $17.1 billion for a trade surplus of $424 million during the first month of fiscal year 2023. Meanwhile, the U.S. exported a record amount of beef in October, 
Cash cattle trade is yet to turn active this week. Only a few animals changing hands around steady prices in the southern plains. News of note taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. We're in the middle of a conversation with Mac Marshall, VP of Market Intelligence at USB and USAC. Uh, but first, Davis, go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures were four cents lower at 844 and three quarters. March soft red wheat down three and one quarter cents to 746 and a quarter. March corn futures were a penny and a quarter higher, 642 and a half. July corn futures closed at 640 and three quarters. That's up a penny today. January soybean futures 14 and one quarter cents higher, 1486 and one quarter. July beans closed at 14.98 and three quarters. That's up nine and three quarter cents. March cotton 104 points lower, 80.65. On the livestock side, February cattle 37 and one half cents higher, 153.92 and a half. January feeders up 257 and one half, 183.47 and one half. And February lean hogs a buck 95 lower at 84.70. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Mac Marshall is our guest analyst today. Uh, Mac, the the way that we see the have seen the product markets perform over the last week is, is nothing short of astonishing when you get right down to it. A big rally in soybean meal, new contract highs there, uh, multi-month lows in, in soybean oil on the disappointment uh, on the um, the – renewable volume obligation proposals really a divergence in those two markets isn't it yeah and and it's not the first time we've seen this in recent history although you know i think back to early 2021 and and you know the shoe was on the other foot yeah uh that's when you were seeing bean oil prices come up by you know 50 percent, 70 percent and you know meal prices were down 20 percent at a certain point and you know clearly a reversal in the last few days i mean you know, one of the things that has been really crazy to watch over the last, you know, two calendar years was this fundamental shift in that valuation between the two crow products, rather the relative valuation between the two. You know, historically, meal has carried, you know, 65, 67, 70 percent of yep. the value to crushers and has been the value driver for soy. And, you know, in 2021, bean oil started taking a little bit more share there, 43%. Yeah. I think for balance of 2022, you know, north of 45%. And, you know, as recently as last week, when we were seeing, you know, bean oil prices at 75 cents um, at yeah. the end of November, you know, that share was about 48% for oil. And with the slide over this past week, coupled with the rally in meal prices, you know, that's down I, earlier today. It was about 41 percent as uh, as oil prices had you know, gone all the way down to 63 cents uh, a pound. So, yeah. you know, definitely some palpable movement this last week. Um, and I think, you know, what we've seen here, as well as what we saw last year, again, when when the, the, the 
you know, meal and oil were moving in opposite directions relative to where they are now. It really underscores, I think, this, this, well, fundamentally the versatility of the soybean, you know, not just in terms of applications and uses and markets and that it serves, but mm-hmm. also um, for value. I mean, when you've got one co-product that is facing a different set of market circumstances that causes bearish sentiment, sell-offs, price reduction, you've got the other one to kind of, you know, balance it out and hold it up. So we haven't seen a substantial erosion in whole bean values as, as well. I mean, we had a 40 cent sell-off roughly, you know, last Thursday, a lot of that, um, you know, attributable to the bean oil sell-off. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, since then we've, you know, basically come back uh, all the way, if not close to all the way over the subsequent few trading days. Um, so it really, you know, I think underscores how important having those two co-products, neither one of them a byproduct anymore, uh, for, you know, soybean uh, value and, and continued value creation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the R- the proposed RVOs from EPA for the bio-based diesel, what, what is your take? What was, what is your reaction? So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start by, uh, by saying, you know, as, as a, someone who works for the soy checkoff, you know, I'm, I'm not inclined to weigh in on, on policy or, you know, anything that can be mm-hmm. construed as, as lobbying or anything. But I will say that the market signals that have been prevailing over the last couple of years um, in terms of the waves of new investment and crush the way and, and preceding that, the waves of investment in renewable diesel facilities, expansion, mm-hmm. greenfield. Um, you saw in, in uh, Bungie's quarterly earnings release earlier this yeah. week, you know, they're projecting that renewable diesel uh, capacity uh, to, you know, expand up to 5 billion gallons by the end of yeah. 2024. So, you know, it's, I, I think that's a, a, a nice, you know, touchstone to, to look at where, you know, all of the market players, all the private sector players, you know, still see this as a very critical pathway for, you know, not just value creation, but all and, and, and uh, you know, business performance, but also, um, you know, the f- part of the future of decarbonizing our economy. You wouldn't have yeah. this level of capital investment if you didn't see that there. So when you have a, an announcement come out that, you um, you know, is, is a little bit decoupled from that market reality, you know, there, you certainly see the response in the markets and some degree of, I think, frustration among, uh, among stakeholders. And I think that the, um, you know, the American Soybean Association's uh, response, of course, is the policy arm of uh, the U.S. soy industry. Um, you can check out their response at soygrowers.org. I think it lays out, um, you know, a lot of, uh, some of the maybe disconnects that are there because you've also, you know, the short-term outlooks put out by the energy information administration, you know, those are all pointing to, you know, growth of, you know, 500 million gallons over the next couple of years. And uh, the figures that came out last week are not there. Now, of course, these figures are not final. These are always subject to, um, Right. You know, interviews and panels and, and, you know, kind of a a forum that EPA will be holding in, in early January. Um, but, you know, I think uh, the disappointment expressed by a, a number of groups here kind of tells a story. And again, I yeah. encourage okay. people to check out that that uh, that post on soygrowers.org. OK, yep. Fair enough. Now, looking at the soybean oil balance sheet, the amount of soybean oil going to 
biofuel production in 2020-21, 8.92 billion pounds. 2021-22, billion pounds. Uh, 2022-23 is estimated at 11.8 billion pounds. The the balance sheets so far are reflecting the kind of growth that the industry is is has been talking about. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you've seen USDA make adjustments. Um, you know, over the past year, I think, you know, the initial target, I think for 2122 might've even been 12 billion pounds. Um, yeah. No, I take that back for 2223, I think was 12 billion pounds. So you've seen that yep. kind of fluctuate back and forth in the high, high 11s there. But, you know, you put that together with the food uh, use figures, which are, you know, going to be in the, you know, basically 14 and a half to 15 uh, billion pound range. Mm-hmm. Y- you've got this, you know, really strong overall demand picture, Um and again, you've got the capital investment further downstream to help enable it. And, uh, it, you know, I think it's it's an overall good position that will be in going forward. But certainly what came out last week and the market responses does does throw a lot into question. Um, yep. And uh, we'll see again tomorrow. That's the main yeah. thing that I'll be looking for on the domestic balance sheet is, gotcha. is what happens to that 11.8 figure. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, uh, it, it, as soon as... I look at the current balance sheet. We'll get the update tomorrow. When we get the uh, to the USDA annual outlook forum in February, I think a lot of people are going to go straight to that number. the The amount of uh, soybean oil for use in the two two thousand twenty three twenty four marketing year. What USDA's initial thoughts are on that for some kind of guidance out of this, aren't they? I mean, you know, I, I think with this and, uh, you know, any sort of market analysis and data analysis that I do sub- for any subject, right, you, mm-hmm. you got to look at multiple sources and you got to triangulate. And that's part of the beauty of the federal yep. statistical system, uh, of which I'm, an, uh, I'm a proud alum, alumnus, alumnus. I think yep. I got that right. I, I never took Latin, <laughs> sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, because it allows us to have, you know, measurement and evaluation um, for you know, markets from a number of different perspectives and, uh, you know, having that USDA outlook um, and the outlook forum is always a fantastic event full of, you know, fantastic information sharing and networking. Um, But, but having that expectation for, you know, the subsequent marketing year, Mm -hmm. it's already, we're already starting to have to think about 23, 24. Um, Yeah. I think, I think that that will be something that draws a lot of attention, maybe even more so than when USDA typically puts out their 10 year forecasts. Yep. 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 Uh, We've only got about 30 seconds left here, Mac, but I am going to, going to say the other thing that we're going to be looking at in February from the outlook conference is the acreage projection. Have, has your acreage thoughts changed over the last few days in this bean market? You know, um, it, they haven't really, and, and talking with some of our farmers over the last couple of days, um, I, they're going to do what's agronomically sound and yeah. economically viable because it's not about one year, it's about multiple years. And that means for most soy farmers doing what you can to manage your, your corn soy rotation in many parts of the country. So yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens yep. with acreage because this time last year, huge signal for beans, but, you know, farmers stuck to that yep. rotation as best they could. Yep. Best way to move the needle on this uh, this bean market 
is through increasing demand and and uh that's i know you guys at usb and usec <laughs> work on it every day so mac thank you Literally so much my day. friend yep thank you so oh, much appreciate thanks, you buddy th- thanks for having me appreciate you too and uh have a great holiday season to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest timing is everything Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins as well. Um, yes. Let me rewind all the way back to Oliver's comments, because from the sounds of it, it may be the last we've heard of Oliver. <laughs> from Oliver, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, stay, lo- stay low, Oliver. Stay low, buddy. Stay low. <laughs> um, he was talking about not being very optimistic on hogs, mm-hmm. uh, but optimistic on cattle cattle's got a lot going for it right now yeah um if we if we could have gotten just a little bit better weekly export sales out of cattle feels like uh it could have been an exciting day well don't forget it it was still a positive and it's as of december 1 there are unshipped sales that have to leave before the end of the month to be 2022 sales so it's this end of the month thing the, by the way, by the way, I should, you know, I should get that report in front of me again here. Um, and it, the the thing about it is when you there's lots of activity uh, to get to very limited sales. But a lot of the activity, uh, for example, we the China was the lead buyer of 4,800 metric tons, including decreases of 300 metric tons. Then comes Japan, 1,600 metric tons, including decreases of 1,100 metric tons. Okay. Um, And then there are other, you know, um, there are other, there is other movement, other decreases, primarily from South Korea, 7,900 metric tons. Now, net sales for 2023 came in at 16,300 metric tons for beef. Okay. So, but we'll make that transition at the end of the year over to looking at the at the new the new year sales numbers. Now, on hogs, net sales for 2023 was just 2400 metric tons. Mm. So, it makes you wonder exactly what's going on. Well, 
the importing countries are sliding their 2022. They know it's not going to get shipped in time, so they're sliding those delivery of the 22 sales into 23. So it's it's a confusing time of the year for for these export sales reports on meats. I feel like you're having a hard time too. It's the end of the year. Yeah. Are you, are you ready for that? Are you okay? Well, I don't know. I don't know. We're, yeah, I guess. I'm going to yeah. be off next week. I'm taking yeah. my, my traditional week off in uh, December. So okay. I'm looking forward to that. That's got okay. me a little fired up. All right, well, very good. Maybe when maybe when you come back, you will have come to the realization that this year is done. It's over. <laughs> it's over. Yes. If you were going to get I something done this will. year, you dang well better hurry or you ain't going to get it done. You may not. Yeah, probably, even as probably it is. won't get I done. I may not. I've got things. So I was like, I'll, I'll do that by the time the year is over. It ain't going to get done. We'll push it. it out to 24. We'll yeah, but look at what you did get done before the year was over. I got an awful lot done, actually. You if did. I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest here. I would, when uh, when you hear the wedding bells ring before yes. the end of the year, that's pretty impressive, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes, I was I was busy. You know, you keep at it. You stay diligent is what you do. That's the, <laughs> that was my secret. You stay diligent. <laughs> Mac Marshall from USB. She, to, right to the point that she couldn't say no. That's right. That's right. <laughs> ah, come on. Come on. Come on. What do you come say? On. Come on. <laughs> it was the dog that pushed her over the edge. She loves was the it? dog. Yeah. Loves yeah. the dog. No. Okay. No. Mac Marshall from USB was very diplomatic talking about EPA's this uh decision he he said their decision seems decoupled from the reality yeah. of the market yeah. i've never heard someone say what a stupid decision <laughs> more diplomatically decoupled from the realities of the market you know uh, and i think that's probably decoupled is probably the 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 right term to use the, the more i thought about it it made me make this note when when he said that Mm-hmm. It are the RVOs under the RFS a predicting tool, or are they providing a minimum market? Mm-hmm. They're a, they're providing a minimum market. There I don't think the RVOs in any way are a prediction of how much is going to be used. Now, when you talk about conventional or corn-based ethanol. It gets to that point in a roundabout kind of way because, you know, let's face it, even with API, American Petroleum Institute, getting behind mm-hmm. legislation for year-around availability of E15, they're only going to blend as much as they can. By the way, I did fill up with some 87-octane E15 in Des Moines, Iowa yesterday. Atta boy. So like a buck well, and a half well, a gallon? But that's the thing that concerns me. Yeah. A buck and a half a gallon? No, it was a little bit more than that. Yeah. Uh, but like 270, uh, uh, something like that. Uh, but that's what concerns me is that we're going to take the environmental gains and in mm. the reduction of GHGs out of it by the refiners providing a lower quality blend stock to get gasoline to the pump and it by stopping their refining of the the crude oil or the gasoline at the lower octane level and then spiking it with enough ethanol yeah 
that at 15%, you you get to 87 octane. I mean, it's you can't call the the blend stock trash. Yeah. But uh, but I'll bet it's pretty darn close. But anyway, hey, bottom the, line here. Yeah, go on. Bottom line. The the bottom line here is don't use the RVOs as a prediction of total use. It's a minimum market. Very nice. Reports coming tomorrow. We haven't talked carry estimates. You don't have those in front of you, do you? I don't have them. Uh, I think I do. Have you got uh, them? Yes. Carry real quick. Estimates. Hold on. Hold yep. on. Hold on. I'm looking yep. for it. Uh, okay. On corn, a month ago, carryover for 22-23 was 1.182. The average trade guess going in, 1.237 billion bushels. On soybeans, a month ago, 220 million bushels. The average trade guess going into tomorrow, 238 million bushels. And on wheat, 571 last month. The average trade guess is 576 million bushels. We'll have total reaction to that. John Payne. We'll have reaction to that tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow morning, it's a free-for-all. Wiesmeyer, Haney, Michelson, and me.